Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rama.org.au forward slash media. So we'll pray and get into the Word. Father, we thank you so much for helping us get into your Word today, Father, that you help me, you help us, Father God, that we have ears to hear, and it's uh, revelation knowledge uh, in Jesus' holy name, amen. I wanted to say about testimonies, uh, and then I'm going to say about prayer requests too. So li- listen to this one. This is like awesome as we get into the word today. Five months ago, a prayer request was turned in for a woman that was diagnosed with aggressive breast cancer. So that's, that's bad. Praise God, she had two blood tests and four body scans recently, and they all have come back clear. So, you know, when we say, hey, you know, if you got a prayer request, turn it in. <laughs> you know, and so thank God for prayer requests, but then thank God for testimonies that we, got, we heard back five months ago that, you know, so I don't, uh, Patsy sent this to me because uh, she's down in Melbourne. She gets back tonight. She's preaching at a church in Melbourne today, but she sent an email, so I wasn't able to ask her a lot about that testimony, but she sent it to me and said, here's a testimony we got, I got while you were up in Papua New Guinea. So that's an awesome testimony. So we talked about that, that uh, we're getting into this healing series, and we said that it's one thing to talk about things that happened 5 and 10, 20 years ago, and as I said, we traveled 28 years, and we were traveling ministers, and mainly we preached on faith and healing, and so I could share a lot of testimonies that go back, and I will share some of them. But then thank God that there's testimonies for today. You know, that it just didn't happen 20 years ago, but it's even happening today. And with that, with that said, though, back in 1993 or four. I believe, no, even before then, somewhere back in 1991, I think it was, this, this is a long time ago, but here's an older testimony, we were in Panama City, Florida, and uh, we, 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 I didn't even preach that night, somebody else preached, but then after they finished preaching, they, it was like a conference, they said, do you have something, and I, and I had something, I, I had, going on in my spirit, I had womb, W-O-M-B, womb, like a lady's womb, and then I, I heard the Lord wants to heal a womb. And so I came up, and, uh, and that's a long time ago, and, you know, I was a little timid. Uh, and so I came up, and I, like, timidly took the mic, and I said, like, womb. <laughs> I said, I, I first, I think I said, first of all, this is a strange word. I said that first. This is a strange word. And I said, womb. <laughs> and then I said, the Lord wants to heal a womb. And, and this lady comes, like, running she like really ran and I, I start going toward her but when she was about there she just fell she just got knocked down on her back so then I just came down and laid hands on her and then uh then a couple other like Patsy and a, and a couple ladies surround like got around her and put their hands on her and then that was my part for the whole night because I didn't preach that night I went back and sat down <laughs> um well come to find out then uh we were we were somewhere in Washington I don't know how, a couple years later, and there was an astronaut. Now, how many times you meet an astronaut? And it's funny thing, I don't even remember his name. <laughs> you should remember astronauts' names. There's not many of them. But <laughs> this lady that ran up the aisle, it was that astronaut's wife. That's who it was. She was an astronaut's wife, and, she, and they moved to Washington. So he came up with a picture of a baby, and he said, uh, 
like he said, you prayed for my wife a couple years ago, and this is our baby. Thank you. You know, so, so God, God is a healing God, and, uh, and he, he so much wants to heal. So we're getting into this uh, series, and, you know, you just join with me. Come, come expecting. Now, we are going to have our thing Friday night, but on the last Sunday of this series, it really, it's going to take six weeks to do it, even though it's a five-week series because we got Mother's Day. But on the last Sunday, we're going to work, we're going to preach a little shorter and give more time for ministry time and laying on a hands the last Sunday. Okay, so that, just be ready for that too, okay? All right, we're, let's get, get back into the scripture today and look at this. So Matthew chapter 15 and verse 26, it says, But he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to little dogs. So I'm going to do a little review from last week, not very long. So what we did learn uh, last week is the dogs, the children, and the bread. <laughs> three things, the three H's. In the, but the dogs, children, and the bread. The dogs were the Gentiles. Uh, the children were the Jews. And the bread is healing. So we looked at that last week. And then uh, we found this out, that today uh, the church has become the children. And then the children are now Christians, and the bread is still healing. Okay, and then last week, the main thing is we, we wanted to establish last week because uh, some people wonder, is healing for everyone? Is healing for everyone? And we, I think we established it last week. Uh, you know, you only have so much time on a Sunday morning, but here's what we uh, looked at and we said last week, if we put it in a couple words, the first step to receiving healing is knowing it's God's will to heal you. You know, because if you wonder about it, it's, you know, as soon as you start wondering, it puts you out of a position. And uh, some people do wonder. You know, I just, it just came to me, and when I get on the subject of healing, it's hard for me to stay with my notes because I've done it for so long. I teach 30 hours in a Bible school on healing and all that, so then I start going all over the place, but I'm just going to do it anyway, even though I, I have some notes. But it reminds me of that scripture when that guy came up to Jesus and he said, he said, Lord, if you're willing, you can. And it's interesting how man will always wonder. They don't doubt God's power, but they wonder about his willingness. You know, they, I mean, the, the whole world sometimes, they don't, the, the world says a tornado is an act of God, a, a, a cyclone is an act of God. The whole world sees God as being powerful, except maybe if you're an atheist. But most people that believe in God, they think, well, God is powerful, but then there's a percentage of people that they wonder if he's willing and so that they, the guy comes up and says, if you're willing, I know you can. And I like the way that Jesus handled that. Jesus said, I am willing, and then he healed him. And I like to say it this way, he clarified his will, and he demonstrated his power. Okay, so that God wants to do that. He, he will always clarify his will, but he also will demonstrate his power. He, uh, and we, we know that he confirms his word with signs following. Okay, uh, so look, let's look, look and get into these scriptures now. Matthew chapter 15 and verse 24, it says, But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshipped him, him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to little dogs. And he said, Yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from the master's table. And when she made that statement, that's when Jesus complimented her, and Jesus said, you have great faith, woman. Now, and I said last week, he said that 
Two times he said it to this lady. He said, your faith is great. Then he told the Roman centurion, he said, I haven't found this great of faith in all of Israel. And so this lady had some elements going. She had some things working for her, and it, it really blended together, and it was for the good of her daughter. This lady was desperate. It's amazing sometimes when you get desperate what a difference that makes. And then she wasn't schooled under Jewish law. And why would that be an advantage? Well, because the Jewish law, it was always about focusing on yourself, like do's and don'ts. And man, if you couldn't do all the do's and don'ts, then you didn't really think very much of yourself and you didn't think you deserved anything. This lady really wasn't schooled under that. So she, she wasn't thinking, I don't deserve it. She was desperate and she wasn't thinking, I don't deserve it. And when you think you don't deserve it, it's really hard to get. So, you know, even that's a little side journey there, but uh, if you are the kind of person that always thinks you don't deserve, it's really important to get out of that place. I remember going, you know, going to Bible school, another little side journey here, but, you know, I, I grew up and my father, we were, like, my father was old-fashioned, he, you know, uh, and he's 88 years old now, but he taught me that you have to work for everything you get. Did anybody else grow up that way? And, of course, the Bible does say if you don't work, you don't eat, but my father made it clear that anything you get, you got to work for. So the Lord says go to Bible school, and uh, I had, I was working, but I wasn't getting paid enough money to pay all the bills. But yet I thought, you know, like, I'm, I'm, you know, I need money, but I got to work to get it. And then somebody, uh, I, didn't, I didn't even really pray this time. I think God was trying to teach me something. I came back from Bible school, and there was an envelope taped to my door with exactly a little bit more than the amount of money that I needed to pay the rent. And it was in cash, and it had Mark eleven twenty three on there. And, I'm, and I asked my brother, I said, to my brother, well, he lived with me. I said, you didn't do that, did you? Because you know we needed money. He goes, I'm not kidding. I had nothing to do with that. And I think what the Lord was showing me is even though you don't think you deserve it because you didn't work for it, I want to give it to you. And, that, and that's grace. And so if you grew up that way and you always think I don't deserve it, it's really important to get out of there, get out of that place, you know. And God, he, he helps us to renew our mind. Because when we think we don't deserve it, it's harder to receive. You want, you want to know that it belongs to you, but you also want to know that you don't have to earn it, okay? So um, looking, this lady had, she was desperate. She wasn't schooled under Jewish law. She was insistent, you know? She was insistent, and faith can be insistent. And then uh, Jesus complimented her because of that, Okay. So with that in mind, I want to show you sometimes how the first thing we want to do is just look at something in the Old Testament today and see how we can get almost sometimes schooled up to be the way that I just described. So look in Deuteronomy chapter 28 and verse 15. It's really important as Christians, uh, when we read the Bible, that we don't mix the old and the new when we read it. So Deuteronomy 28 and verse 15, it says, but if you refuse to listen to the Lord your God and do not obey all the commands and decrees I am giving you today, all these curses will come and overwhelm you. So we know that's the law there and under the law. So it's, first of all, it's a conditional thing. It, there's the big word if, okay? So if you don't keep all the commandments, curses will come on you, all right? 
And one of the curses was sickness and disease. That's one of the curses that would come on people if they didn't keep the commandments. Now, here's the way it was when you lived under the law. James chapter 2 and verse 10, it says, If you obey every law except one, you are still guilty of breaking them all. How can you win? So you just do one little thing wrong, and you're guilty of breaking all the law. And then when you break the law, guess what? Something bad happens. And, and, you, and curses come on you. That's, that's the way it was when you uh, were under the law. Okay? So if we get confused between the covenants, and, we, and we, should, we, should make, we should work not to get confused, we then think that our lack of performance or behavior, whatever you want to call it, our that can that that because we lack in our performance in our behaviors and we're not perfect it's possible to think that that's why you get sick and it's also possible to think that's why you you think you would deserve not to be healed if that's the way that you think okay and so what then happens then you also will then put faith in your good behavior if you do think you're behaving you put faith in that, and then that turns into self-righteousness. And self-righteousness is, is, is destructive also. So these are the kind of things that we see. Now, look at Deuteronomy chapter 28 and verse 1. Uh, look at how that says it. It says, if you fully obey the Lord, your God, and carefully keep all his commands. And so you can see how like, you have to fully obey and you have to keep all of his commands that I'm giving you. The Lord will set you on high above all nations of the world. You will experience all these blessings if you obey the Lord your God. And, and so what, what we see there, there again, it's conditional. It's the big if, you know, so you have if in there. And, uh, and with that in mind, if you can do it, you can continue to be blessed. So look at, look at how it says it in the Old Testament. Exodus chapter 23 and verse 25 it says, so you shall serve the Lord your God, which relates to keeping all the commands. That's what that's talking about. And he'll bless your bread and your water. And look at, then if you can do all of that, I will take sickness away from you or uh, away from the midst of you. So what do we see in there? Well, if you mix between the old and the new covenant, what you see there is, is a few things. Uh, well, I'm going to show you really clearly here in a minute. I thought I'd put it up there to make it as clear as we can. But it's possible to get programmed into thinking that we get healing because of our performance, okay? So look at this, and, and I think it makes it really clear. Sickness came because, in the Old Testament, someone broke the law. Sickness comes, and this is just three different ways to say it, so it's the same thing, saying it different ways. Comes because of a lack of performance or sickness as a result of our works, you know, and put that up there because... There's a lot of people that still think that, you know, sickness is, uh, is if, I, if I don't do everything just right, I can get sick. And there's people that think that way, okay? And then, uh, look, at sickness was removed or prevented or whatever you want to say. It was the same if you kept the law. So if you broke the law, but now it, it can get removed if you kept the law. Or another way we could say it was removed because of performance. Or we could say that sickness was removed by works, and that's kind of like the Old Testament, and that's like being under the law. And so that's really good and everything, but now we're in the New Testament, and the New Testament, it's by grace through faith. And so it's really important we don't mix the two covenants together because it hinders us, and, and uh, it, it makes it more difficult for us to receive. All right? So um, 
Let's, let's talk about this now. Let's go to John chapter 6 and verse number 28. All right, and this starts to help us. Uh, we have people that Jesus talked to that they were under the law, and look what they said. We want to perform God's works too. What should we do? And then Jesus, in verse 29, he says, uh, Jesus told them, this is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one he has sent. So he's starting half, he has to start at a different place with them. They're thinking, what are all the different things we can do to be like you? And he's thinking, I'm going to tell you the first thing you have to do. Let's start right at the beginning. The first thing you do, here's the first work, and this is your first thing. First of all, believe on me. Okay, that's the starting place. And so, you know, even though you got schooled up under the law, you're going to have to, like, let go of that stuff. Now, first of all, you want to start where you believe on me. All right, so that was really new for the people back there. And uh, they, they were probably, you know, what, what would qualify me? That's when they said, what do we have to do? They're probably thinking, what does it take to qualify to do what you do, Jesus? And, and he gave them a really simple answer, probably something they didn't, uh, expect because you get schooled up under the law and it's always do's, do's, and don'ts, don'ts, and all that. And he's saying, hey, it's just going to be one thing, one work. You had a lot of other works, but now it's just one work. First of all, believe. Okay? So that's the starting point. So uh, what we're calling this today is the new work. If you want to know, well, what's the subtitle of this, the healing, the, uh, the healing bread? It's called the new work. And because Jesus gave them the first thing, he said, this is the work. So we're going to talk about the new work today, and it's believing. And believing has a lot to do with what we're talking about, okay? So I had the Lord uh, speak to me because uh, a few, I'm going to just talk about a few times, but two times that the Lord spoke to me. Uh, and uh, one of them was when I was laying in a hospital. I've only been in the hospital once in my whole life. I'll be 61 in less than two months here about a month and a half, and I'll be 61 years old. And my 61 years, I was in the hospital one time, and I was in the ICU, and I almost died, you know. And, and, I'm, and you know, when I got out of the danger point, and I'm laying in ICU, I had a lot of time to think, you know. And uh, it, it's, it was actually, I really got blessed, to be honest with you. I really, I really could talk to God, and I really had a lot of uh, things to think about and, and everything. But, but here's what, how it started. I was thinking about, that I was stupid, you know, and it's sometimes because I knew that I put myself there and I couldn't blame God for it. And I started to think on that bed, go back, and I wanted to analyze everything I did. And it's amazing, while I'm laying there, the Lord said, stop it. That's what he, he said, stop it. He said, don't go backwards. Don't go back there. Don't even give any time to that. And here's what he said. He said, concentrate on my promises. And then, and he, here's what, the way it said, dwell on my promises because they are your solution. So you see in the Old Testament, you know, like because it was all that do's and don'ts and then you think, what did I do wrong and I did something wrong and now the curse came on me and I'm sick and people get thinking that way and here I am and I teach and preach all that, all the, on faith and healing and all that and I'm laying there and I'm thinking and I'm, I'm getting ready to start analyzing and the Lord said, stop it. And he, he made that statement. He said, dwell on the promises because they are your solution. So I, I think that's good for everyone. Like, you take too much time to analyze everything and go backwards, and you're not going forward. And the promises of God take us forward. 
And then he spoke to me another time. It was more like a general word. It really wasn't for me, but, uh, but it was in general, for people in general. And he just said, basically, it was always concerning on what, the why. Always dwelling, I mean. It was always dwelling on the why. And some, sometimes people get stuck right there, and they just dwell on why, why, why. And, and what the Lord said, uh, it, it was interesting how it happened, I was, you know, I, I like, you know, football, and one of the ex-offensive linemen for my team, he's now like a sports announcer, and he's talking about um, the offensive line, and he made the statement, overanalyzation causes hesitation. And, and he was talking, because like when you're playing football, man, you, you don't have time to analyze. You've got to make your moves quick, or you're not going to do it. So he said, overanalyzation causes hesitation. And right when he said it, it's like the Holy Spirit said, the same thing is true with my people. When they overanalyze, it causes hesitation. They can't go forward. And, and so, like, a lot of times people go, why? And they try to figure everything. You're overanalyzing and you're hesitating. When you overanalyze, you hesitate. When you get into the promises of God and, and get faith, you go forward. Take, faith takes you forward. Doubt and unbelief and wondering you'll go backwards or you either stay the same or you go backwards so those are really important things right there okay so uh, with that in mind see we we want to get over into the new testament okay so what you know what are you know then like for the new testament like what would be what would be the key or what are we responsible for in the in the new testament so look at first peter and look at this first peter five and verse number eight it says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. So this is true in the Old Testament. It's true in the New. The devil's been around. You know, even when in the book of Job, we, we said it was one of the oldest books in the Bible last week. And you'll see in the book of Job, like he goes, the devil goes up and gets up near God and in the, in, in the presence of God. And, and when the Lord asked him what he was doing, he said he was going to and fro back in the earth. So, so it's interesting. Think about it. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro in the whole earth, and he's looking for somebody to show himself strong in. When he asked the devil what he was doing, he's, he was going back and forth looking for somebody to hurt, to destroy. And so isn't that interesting? So God's looking for somebody to bless and show himself strong, but the devil... In the Old Testament, since the beginning, since he got cast out of heaven, he's been looking about, like, he goes back and forth looking for somebody to hurt. Okay? And so notice that, though. So it says, be sober and be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, he rocks like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Now, when you think about that, the devil even hears the way you talk. And, and so, like, you can actually open doors and let him in, even by the way you talk. Not, and I don't, please don't be scared or anything like that. You're here, and uh, you've been around for a while, so don't, don't get scared or anything. Like, but it, it is really good to watch your words. And you don't really want to open the door. For, so even like when you say, I'm afraid of that, you know, you say, I'm afraid of that. Well, the more you say you're afraid of something, he hears that, and he'll make sure that some way he'll try to set it up so whatever you're afraid of, you, confront, you encounter that. 
He, he will try to do that. So, you, you know, you just want to don't say I'm afraid of this and I'm afraid of that and talk that way. There's a lot of things that we, we grow up and we say things and, and, uh, and, and then you don't realize that it can open the door. So just uh, watching the way that we talk is a big thing. Now, even for, like, you think about this, I don't know if I said this uh, last week. I, I set it up in Papua New Guinea, I'm sure, and I get mixed up. I, I taught 15 hours last week, so if I, I, if I said this, I'll say it again, but we had this singing group that we used to travel around. That I, It seems like I said it, and we had these three girls in the group, and they would always say, I'm tired. Did I say that last week? I didn't. I set it up in Papua New Guinea. But, but they just always said, I'm tired, I'm tired, I'm tired. And guess what? They were always tired. You know, you ever think about, you know, because the Bible says you, can, you have what you say. So if all you ever say is, I'm tired. And so there's certain things, like I told you this before, I don't say I'm offended. Now, the, the Bible says to take no offense. So if you just say I'm offended, you're, you're taking offense by, by saying I'm offended. Now, that doesn't mean we have many marvelous opportunities to be offended. You know, you know, there's, it, we're in the age of the, you know, the superheroes and all these things are out on TV, the, you know, the, the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and, and uh, you know, what's that one from the big thing, I forget, Avengers, you know, all the, the Green Arrow, the Flash, you know, all the, all the superheroes, right? You know, but somebody should uh, put together the offenders because <laughs> there's a lot of offenders. That you, we have marvelous opportunities to be offended that... that, that by people that haven't read the book How to Win Friends and Influence People. <laughs> you know, so that's all out there. But the Bible says to take no offense. So that means if you really are a doer of the word, even though there's all those kind of people there, you just don't take any offense. You make a choice. So if you say I'm offended all the time, you're taking offense all the time. And we're going to see today that messes you up because of what we're going to look at here real soon. So, you know, I'm hurt, I'm offended. And, and even, I, I, you know, even say, I'm stressed, I'm stressed. Well, you keep saying you're stressed, and you'll keep getting more and more stressed. Now, you can get away with that if you're young, but, you know, when you get older, you don't want your body to be stressed. I mean, stress on an older body has different effects, and it leads to different things. So you, you, you say that all the time, you're just affecting your health, you know? So you got, those are the kind of things that uh, you, you want to watch, all the, that kind of stuff, Okay. So we see that the, the devil, he's going about, and he'll try to do it in all kind of ways with sickness, deception, and all that. And, uh, but I like the next verse in 1 Peter 5 and verse 9. It says, resist him steadfast in the faith. Okay, so we see that the devil's wanting to do some stuff, but then we see we're now in the new covenant. So in the old covenant, it was a different kind of work. In the Old Covenant, it was your works, your, everything you did, your behavior, your conduct, all of that. That's the old. Now what we're seeing, here's the new work in the New Covenant, and it says this is how you resist the devil. It, you resist him steadfast in the faith. So Jesus is saying, okay, the first thing, you know, the first thing is believe on me, but here, we're in this other covenant now, and there, it's the new work, and the new work is that now it's faith. It's a faith covenant, and faith is a big thing. And so when we, when we were traveling uh, with this, this singing group I told you about, and we would do these meetings, we went to Florida, and we're serving uh, Kenneth Hagan, uh, the senior. He went home to be with the Lord, but uh, we were serving him, and we were in this church in Florida. And uh, our, one of our singers, we actually had him here. He's a traveling minister now. 
uh, back, I don't know how many years ago here, a couple years ago here. His name is Larry Hutton. He's got a real deep voice, Larry. Uh, he was our bass singer, okay? And so we, Larry's mother came, he, he was from Florida. Larry was a, a, he was a barefoot skier, you know, skiing, he could ski, water ski in barefoot feet. And uh, competition, barefoot skier, just little trivia there, sorry. You don't even know Larry. <laughs> but anyway, so, so Larry's mother came to the meeting and she had, uh, I'm trying to think, it, she had, I think, cancer, this thing on her face. I'm trying to think if it was cancer, but it was, her face was all messed up. And here's what Larry told his mother, because he knew, and we were traveling, and he said, Mom, he said, don't come up the first night to have hands laid on you. Sit here and listen and sit under the word and come up near the end of the week to have hands laid on you because sitting under the word is really important. Faith comes by hearing. So sit under the word, Mom. So here, you know what happened? About the third day, we started on, I think, uh, I don't know if it was Sunday night or Monday night when we started the meeting, but somewhere along Wednesday or Thursday, she came up to Larry and said, look, it, I'm healed. She never even came up to have hands laid on her. She sat under the word and she got faith and she spoke to that thing. She spoke to her face herself and she got totally healed and she didn't even have to come up. So, you know, faith, we're in the new work, you know, we're under a covenant and faith is big in this covenant that we're in. So with that in mind, here's, here's a thought that we can receive, resist, or prevent him, and I'm talking about the devil, using our faith. Okay, you can receive, you can resist, and you can prevent. So with that in mind, I know you might not have been here, but I'm going to do a really quick review because faith, we're, just, we're making today the thing about faith. So a while back we taught like there's three ways that you can release faith. You can release faith like a hand, you can release it like a sword, and then you can release it like a shield. And we talked about that. But th this, this whole thing about resisting, so if you think about it, receive, hand, uh, resist, like you're, you're fighting with a sword, or then prevent, you have a shield. And those are the three different ways that you can release faith. So when it says, talks about the devil, it says to resist him steadfast in the faith. It's amazing. Jesus himself said all things are possible to him that believe. You know, nothing is impossible to him that believes. So we know nothing is impossible with God, but we also know that nothing is impossible to him that believes. So God can do everything, but you know, when Jesus walked on the earth, many times he said, your faith made you whole, your faith made you whole, your faith, you know, be it unto you according to your words. Be it unto you according to you. Be it unto you according to your words. You know, that's when Jesus walked on the earth. So he, he made that really clear. Okay, so look at Mark eleven twenty four. I mean, yeah, eleven twenty four. That came out so fast that I didn't think I got it out because <laughs> I've said look at Mark eleven twenty four so many times. Okay, so there it says, therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray. Believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. So this is releasing faith like a hand. When you pray, believe you receive. So we can receive when we pray. But notice there it says, when you pray, you believe even before you receive. And so if we just put a little thought there, you know, by his stripes you are healed. If you really want to get technical about healing, we were healed 2,000 years ago. By his stripes, we are healed, and it's a matter of receiving it. So one way to release faith is like when you pray, believe you receive. 
So that's one way that, we, that faith can be released. All right. Then uh, another way is Mark eleven twenty three. It says, Assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes those things which he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. So this is kind of like the sword, releasing faith like a sword. So when you pray, there's praying and there's declaring. Mark eleven twenty four is like when you pray. Mark eleven twenty three is like declaring. So when you, you speak to the mountain, and again, it says when you speak to it, believe what you say will come to pass, and then you'll have what you say. And, and I think I mentioned this before, a really important thing there is can you believe what you say will come to pass? And I like to say it this way, if I pray and I, and I think, I don't know if I really believed, and, I, and if you guys really admit, because I, I know that you're, you're, um, you're like me, and so that means nobody in here is perfect. So I've prayed before, and when I prayed before, I thought, <laughs> I doubted my own prayer. Did, did I, you know, if you really admit to it, did you ever doubt your own? Because like, I wasn't feeding on the word, and I prayed in a place that I wasn't able to even believe what I said. I doubted even the thing that I said. So I think, what do I have to do to fix that? And I thought, well, I know what I have to do. I need to feed on the Word of God. And if I feed on the Word of God, it changes me. And then when I pray, I can believe what I say will come to pass. And that's one of the key things. So there's sometimes you just got to retreat. And you notice how Jesus went up to the mountain all the time. Jesus retreated a lot. He went up and on a mountain and he prayed. He, he prayed, you can see he prayed a lot before he did a lot of things. You know, he went up and prayed and then he came down and he would start choosing his disciples. He, he prayed before he chose. You know, he, he prayed before he ministered. He prayed, he just did a lot because first of all, it changes us and it puts us in a position. So he did that. And then, you know, he did the other. And so you know that when you say something to the mountain, you want to believe what you say will come to pass. And when you do that, it says then you will have what you say, releasing faith like a sword. And then this other one in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 16, it says, above all, taking the shield of faith, which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. So like a shield is preventing. And even though I probably told this before, it's one of my favorite things about prevention. You know, you know, I've talked before about the prevention magazine, and it's about how to pre prevent diseases, and mainly they're selling vitamins. You know, so the whole prevention magazine thing is like, let's sell vitamins uh, it, because they prevent, and, and there's no proof a lot of them do, you know, but, but it's a good way to make money. Okay, so, but I like, the Word of God is the, be the best vitamin you can take. <laughs> I like Charles Capps' story about Charles Capps. So he's gone home to be with the Lord recently too, but Charles Capps was a great teacher on faith, and he told this story about how if there was somebody that was disciplined when it came to speaking the word, just speaking the word and saying what the Bible said, Charles Capps was one of those, you know. And another one was Norval Hayes, and, and I don't know if you know who those guys are. They're, of course, Charles has gone home to be with the Lord. Norval, I believe, is still alive. He's in his 80s, I think. But just a little side journey. I'll get back to uh, Charles Capps. <clears throat> but Norval Hayes, um, one time Patsy and myself, we did a meeting with him in Tennessee. And he likes to 
he always likes to go in a hot tub or a swimming pool. He loves to do that. Sometimes he's late for the meeting preaching because he's in the swimming pool or the hot tub. And it's like, he did that to my brother once. My brother had a conference, and he was supposed to start speaking at 10 o'clock. Where's Norval? And they went, he's in the swimming pool at the hotel at 10 in the, like 10 in the morning. And my brother had to like preach an impromptu message, and he showed up at 11. And he, he, he gets away with all that kind of stuff. But so we were doing this meeting with Norval Hayes, and we're, he, he wants me and Patsy to walk around in the swimming pool with him. This is right before we moved on to the mission field. And, uh, and so that was like uh, over 20 years ago. And, and he's, he, and, he, and I'm, you know, here's what he tells me. He said, I tell you, and he had that, I can't really talk with his accent, but it was a Tennessee Southern accent. He, but he said, I tell you, you got to speak to your body. You got to speak to your body. You got to speak to the devil. You got to speak. And he just kept saying it. He go, you tell your body, you tell your body, you speak to your body, you speak, you know, and he just kept saying that. And I'm, you know, and that's basically, we walked around in the swimming pool and that's all he kept telling us. It, it, you know, but, but then I'm, I'm looking back and I told Patsy, he was about 60 years old back then and now I'm 60. I said, I really relate and I understand so much better now. <laughs> like, because I was like 40 back then. I was, I think I was 37 as a matter of fact. I remember I was 37 years old when that happened because I, I remember when I, we first got to Italy, the students wanted to know how old I was. And I said 37, because they were like thinking I wasn't old enough to direct a Bible school. So I, I said, I'm 37, <laughs> you know, so we had to deal with that. But so, I could, you know, when you're 37, you, you don't have a lot of pains in your body. I told Patsy, I relate to that now. And, you know, so when you get older, you know, you've you got to speak to your body and speak <laughs> and keep speaking to your body. So, so what, what we see there, you can put it up. So Charles, getting back to uh, Charles Capps. He, he was very disciplined at speaking the word. So he's in an airplane, and he uh, gets a terror, and he was the only one. He flew, it's probably not safe to fly, fly solo, but he flew himself to meetings, and he preached and flew himself back. No one else in the airplane. So he gets a terrible pain right where you get a pain where your appendix, you know. So he's terrible, and he thought, this is really hurting. He, when he said, when I land my plane, he got in the car and drove himself to the emergency room, and they looked at him, and they said, you know, this is really unusual. Your appendix has burst. You have a bursted appendix. Well, if, if we have any nurses or doctors here, you know that, and a lot of people know, whether you're a nurse or doctor, that you only have so long, and the poison that comes out of there will kill you. And they said, we've never seen anything like that. It's like there's an invisible bag in there, and it, all the poison is contained in some kind of invisible bag. We don't know why it's like that. So they just sliced them open, and somehow they took it out, and no poison got into his system. So don't you find that interesting? The doctors could never figure that out, but he always said what the Word said about his body. Now, I know we could say, well, if that's the case, why did his appendix go bad? I don't know, but all I know is it blew up, and it didn't, the poison didn't get in his body, and that's the part that I like, the prevention. It's like putting, releasing your faith like a shield. So you can get up every morning and even throughout the day, you can say, you can put up a shield. Your faith can be released like a shield. In other words, it can be prevention. Why wait for something to go bad? Declare it. So like you, you can say, you know, instead of waiting where you have to get healing, why not walk in divine health? 
So why not just do that? So you, you uh, and, and I should have done it. If I would have done it, I wouldn't have ended up in the hospital. And so I, I, I learned a great lesson there. But since that time, I've done a lot of walking and praying, speaking to my body. And so you speak to your body, you release faith like that. When necessary, then you, you release it like a sword or like a hand. But if you release it often like a shield, you might not have to do the hand and the, and the uh, sword so much. So just in closing today, real quickly, uh, because we're stewards of our own hearts, this is what we want. I had it in my heart to do this today. The condition of our hearts affect the effectiveness of our faith. So the Lord gave me that phrase, the conditions of our heart affect the effectiveness of our faith. Okay, so that might be the first time I ever got a sentence with effect and effect in the same sentence. But the condition of our hearts affect the effectiveness of our faith. And so he gave me a scripture, 1 John chapter 3 and verse 18. It says, my little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Okay, so then he says, and by this we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. So first of all, let's clarify, like in, under grace, it says uh, this, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. And then we find out that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So you're saying, well, if, is that a contradiction? No, God is not condemning us and God is not putting guilt on us. But it does say that, this, that if you are not a good steward of your heart, and so if you allow bitterness and strife and unforgiveness and all that kind of stuff and you, you walk out of love, you're not being a steward of your heart. And the Bible actually says it's not God, but it says your heart, can, your heart will tell you you're doing wrong. So if you choose to hang on to stuff and you choose to, to have bitterness or you choose to have that kind of stuff, walk in unforgiveness, your heart is telling you you're doing wrong. And it says, uh, it says that God is greater than our heart. What does that mean? Well, I, I'm looking at you guys right now, but unless the Lord gives me a word of knowledge, I don't know what's going on in your heart. But here's somebody that does. Right now, God knows everybody's heart in the entire world. That is amazing. We have no idea how awesome and powerful and wonderful God is. He knows everybody's heart. He's greater than every person's heart in the world. And God knows when your heart's telling you something's wrong. And so the Bible says you have to be a steward of your heart because then when you pray, God knows if you believe. And here's the thing about the New Testament. It's a new work. It's faith. That's the work. But faith is of the heart. So even that word that I gave out earlier, humility, honor, and the heart. Faith is of the heart. And so when you go to pray, your heart needs to be in a place where you actually can believe what you say. When we hang on to stuff and have bitterness and strife and all that stuff working on our life, it's, it's very difficult, almost impossible, to actually believe what we say. Because it's hard to be in two places at the same time. It's hard to be in faith but yet have all this other stuff going on over here. So it's like, choose. So, you know, just let go. So what I had in my heart today is just kind of like when we end up here, you know, it's kind of like, well, let me finish reading the scripture because I didn't finish it yet. So if your heart condemns us, God is greater and he knows all things. Then it says, beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. He's greater than our heart. He knows when you have confidence toward God. Then it says, and whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commands and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. 
And so you see, God knows when you pray where you're at. He knows when you pray in confidence. And, and so this is like, this is uh, so good because we can all be a steward and a, and a good steward of our heart where you just decide to let go of it all. Forgive, forget. Let go of it. Don't allow, you know, Bible says a root of bitterness defiles many. So like you, if you ever have a root of bitter, bitterness, you know you're going to mess a bunch of people up. But if you get around somebody that has a root of bitterness, they'll try to mess you up. And it defiles many people. Just stay away from all this stuff and be a good steward of your heart. So the way that we uh, want to close today, I just felt like we just needed to have a good old-fashioned examination. So as the worship team comes, uh, we're not going to you know, make anybody do any public confessing, but can you examine yourself where you are? And can you, because your faith has something to do with you being healed. The condition of your heart has something to do with you being able to receive. So we're, we're just going to do a little good old-fashioned examining today. Are you walking in love? Are you walking in forgiveness? Are you letting go of stuff? Uh, are you keeping all any kind of bitterness or any of that stuff out of your life? Okay, so like you can all close your eyes today. Father, I just thank you for everyone that's here, Lord, and I, I thank you, Father, that, uh, that we just take a little moment to think and examine ourselves, Father God, and make sure we're not holding on to anything, that we let it all go. We forgive, we forget. We thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Well, the Christians are doing that right now, where you guys are doing that. Maybe you're with us today. And maybe you're saying, well, a lot of this stuff that you said didn't make maybe a lot of sense to me, and you, you just moved so fast over all that information. I, maybe it could be because you're with us today, and you don't know Jesus as your Lord. And this would be hard to understand without having a relationship with Jesus. Before we leave today, we want to really make sure that everyone in this room has a relationship with Jesus. When Jesus walked on the earth, he says that he said uh, the only way to get to God, he said, you must be born again, born again to enter the kingdom of God. And then he explained himself, you know, he said there's a natural birth, you're born in the flesh because you have a mother and a father, you're born. But then he said there's a spiritual birth, and the spiritual birth is how you get to heaven. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the light. And no man can come to the Father except by, through, by me or through me. The only way to get to God is through Jesus. No matter what you hear anywhere else, there is not more than one way to God. Jesus is the only way there. If you're with us today and you don't have God, it's because you don't have Jesus. But today you can get Jesus and he gets you to God. So the Bible tells us you must be born again. We want to pray with you today to make sure before we dismiss that everyone in this room will go to heaven. I, and, and it's not church membership that gets you to heaven. It's not being born in a Christian family that gets you there. It's not doing good works that gets you to heaven. Jesus said, I'm the way. He didn't say good works were the way. He said, I'm the way. A, a denomination is not the way. Jesus is the way. So we're going to pray. And if you're in that category today, you have an opportunity to pray this prayer and to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord. So if you'll please close your eyes, it's really good. And our church family, they're going to pray this 
with me. And, and you can pray it nice and loud. You don't have to think, well, I'm, I'm the only one praying. No, we're going to pray together. You can pray from your heart and pray it nice and loud today. So let's do this together. Let's say this with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Jesus, thank you for coming for me. You died for me. You went to hell for me. You were raised for me. Jesus, you are Lord, and I believe God raised you from the dead. You're welcome in my heart. Thank you for loving me. Your love for me makes me want to love you. I love you, Jesus. Thanks for listening. We're always encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story you would like to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know and send us an email at church at If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at rhema.org.au.